You've come to the right place. If you're a course creator looking to build more impact, income, and freedom, LMSCast is the number one podcast for course creators just like you. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of the most powerful tool for building, selling, and protecting engaging online courses called Lifter LMS. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. I'm joined by a special guest, Rebecca Undum from RebeccaUndum.com. That's Rebecca with two C's and then U-N-D-E-M.com. Did I spell that right, Rebecca? You did. <laughs> awesome. Well, welcome to the show. I'm super excited to talk to you today because I live in a small town. I usually live in a small town. I used to live in a travel trailer that was moving around the country doing all kinds of different things. And I'm not your usual tech entrepreneur. I, I spend a lot of time just on a farm. I built a little shed in the back of our farm where I run my business from while homeschooling our kids. And, uh, you know, when I go to technology conferences and things, um, a lot, some people live in small towns and some people live in, you know, big cities and, you know, Silicon Valleys and giant, you know, cities from all over the world. Right. One's not better than the other. When I used to live in a small town called Whitefish, Montana, they used to say, like the Chamber of Commerce used to say, it's a small town without being small minded. And I really like that. But what do you what do you think about that quote? And uh, just welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And I love I can't wait to dive into more of your travel trailer story and all of that. It's it's awesome. You're definitely my people. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, so uh, being a small town without being small-minded, I think that that kind of summarizes what my philosophy is and why I do the work that I do. Um, it's just to remind people that you don't have you, the size of your life doesn't have to be determined by the size of the town that you live in, um, and that you can. There's just like the fact that you and I are even having this conversation and the way that we're having this conversation. There's so much opportunity out there for those that want it and desire it to find it. And it, you don't have to be limited by the limits that are, that are present in your immediate environment. Absolutely. And you have um, something on your website called a small town survival kit. What's in there? (laughs) Okay. So, so I, so to, to further define my audience, I, I speak mostly to women. I connect, I connect with women and it's, I think it's partly because I am a mom as well. Um, I believe you said you have an eight and a six-year-old, right? Mm -hmm. So my kids are nine, seven, and four. So we've got very similar ages going on. And I, it changes, of course, parenting, parenthood changes us. I mean, without question. But women, there's just a whole lot of stuff that comes up for women. A lot of guilt, a lot of shame, a lot of uncertainty. Um, And so that is just woven into the fabric of how I speak and what I, what I say to people. And some, some guys get it, but women are really where my heart's at. So the small town survival kit I created, it's, it's meant to be encouragement. It's meant to be lighthearted. There's three audios in there, like little quick, they're like one minute mojos. It's like when you're feeling overwhelmed or when you're feeling not seen. And so it's meant to be just kind of a hug. I always say my goal is to give people a Let them know they're not alone. Let them know they're not crazy um, and give them just a few little resources to help make um, those days when your town just feels a touch too small. It's Uh, encouragement. 
So, and I, I think I had mentioned to you that uh, it's kind of broken out by whether you are a transplant to the small town you live in, whether you found yourself back in the town where you grew up in like me, or if you love your small town and never left, you're still in a small town. So yeah, so that's the kit meant that's to help awesome. them survive. <laughs> that, that is awesome. Um, there's a couple areas I want to go into with you, especially um, you talked about um, guilt as a thing. And one of that, one of the things I notice in the education entrepreneur community is um, people or, you know, whether they're um, women with kids or, or whoever, education entrepreneurs tend to be a little bit isolated. Um, even if they're surrounded by, um, you know, other people in their communities, they kind of get into this whole world and, and they, they can tend to feel a little bit misunderstood. Mm -hmm. um, where does this guilt come from or isolation? Like, can you speak to that a little bit of like, especially to people in, in small towns, how do they work through that? Oh, it, well, therapy. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and maybe, maybe it depends on where your guilt's all coming from, but um, a lot of, so the guilt specifically, I'll address that first or just my thoughts on it. I think for me, I had, when I, I grew up here, right? So my community is 1,800 people in it. I'm in a small farming community in North Dakota. I grew up with three sets of grandparents. So the third was like a bonus set. I mean, they, they were a couple that babysat us. They lived a mile down the gravel road from where I lived. And we just called them grandpa and grandma because we didn't know better and they liked it. So we were all good with it. So you grow up, you know, you've got all this support and you've got all this love, but you also have a lot of sets of eyes watching you and that need to conform and that, um, that feeling of just not standing out too far, especially when you're just, cause small towns are almost like a Petri dish, right? Everyone experiences that in high school to a degree cause you're in a smaller, you know, there's just a smaller group of you, but that's, I think where some of the guilt comes from. You start to really think I kind of want to do this, but I really should toe the line whatever that looks like. And some of it's messaging we get from when we're young. Some of it's religion in small towns. Um, our community, we've got uh, like 10, 11 churches, something like, I mean, like a lot of churches and it's all good. But I think again, it's just other people's expectations of what we ought to do. Start, we start to hold that as truth. Like this is what I'm supposed to do. And then as soon as you start to veer away from that, you feel like you're not towing the line, you're stepping out and you feel not certain about that for sure. And sometimes when with motherhood, I think it's the guilt. Like there's one right way to do this. And we all know logically that there's not, but when you're in it and you just think, oh, this is what I really wanna do, but everyone else is doing it this way. It always feels like one of these things is not like the other kind of thing, you know? Yeah, that's so that's where I think it comes from. That's how it's played out for me. Just yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. and. Um, part of the solution to that you mentioned earlier in our pre-chat is that yeah. women have a, uh, tend to have a gift for community building, which is one of the things that's essential to building an online course or a training business, whether that's before the sale and you're building like a tribe and an audience or after the sale and you're nurturing your community, you're building systems for them to support each other and, you know, developing mm -hmm. a community with you, the leader in the, in the in the space, 
what is it about women that and community building? What can what can the men especially learn from the women about community building? Oh, well, okay, so I have a lot of thoughts about community building because I think, and this is this is work I've been doing. So I've been on my own um, doing this work for five years now. Um, and the work, I was doing the work prior, but in a more corporate-y kind of environment. Um, one of the things that I think is really tricky about building community is that there are a lot of, in the online world, it feels like people are trying to take shortcuts. So it feels slick and it feels, um, everything is like spiffed up and spit shined and you know, you, and you go out and you look at it and I just feel like people are really craving real. That's what people really want. And so I've done a lot. So like, for example, um, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'm kind of circumventing your question. I'll come back to it, but it all fits together as far as I think of like the no like and trust factor, right? We talk about that. I think a lot of us are thinking about what can we do that people will like instead of starting with the known and saying, what can I do to be the most me? And then the people that like it are actually my people instead of vanity metrics of just getting more, getting more instead of better. I feel like that's a major thing that everyone I'm, do you feel that way? Like I do, I do feel that way. And as soon as you said slick and shortcuts, I, was, I immediately thought of like this six pack shortcuts, YouTube channel. Like there's all this, uh, like, uh, you know, get rich quick or, uh, you know, lose weight, like really fast or all these things. It's, it's just way too slick. And to me, it feels a lot more easier and authentic to just be yourself and attract and the people that you attract. That sounds like a lot less work than trying to just help somebody find a shortcut and like, you know, not necessarily express your whole self. So I a hundred percent agree with you. And, uh, and uh, I hear it actually coming up in our community a lot uh, at Lifter LMS for software. I often ask people, you know, as a salesperson or whatever, like, how'd you hear about us or why'd you buy? What made you make the decision? And I hear it, it used to disappoint me. I, I would hear, I would not hear like, oh, the product's amazing and all these features. Like what I would hear a lot was, uh, oh, you guys have a really engaged Facebook group or Chris, I, I really like and trust you. Your videos are authentic. They're not too polished. And I'm like, at first it didn't make any sense to me. I'm like, but what about the product? <laughs> Which is awesome. But I, it, it happened so many times that now I get it, that people really do. They don't want too much, whatever you said, spit, shine, slick, polish. Right. Overly produced. Yeah. Right? Right. Yeah. And so when you're in the space where you're trying to create those things, whatever it is, if it's a video series or like me speaking from a stage, right? That's primarily how I connect with people. So you immediately go out and you look at how everybody else is doing it. And then right away, you're in this game that you can't win, frankly. Um, and it all comes back to figuring out who you really are. So this is actually something I say to the women that I speak with. I just said it on Sunday. I was in a small town here in North Dakota on Sunday, speaking to like a hundred women, we were talking about people, talking about finding your people. And I always say that you, you can't fake your way into a real relationship with people. And this is yeah. personal or business. 
So if I come at you with all this slick advertising and slick marketing and it looks really good and it sounds really good, but at my core, that's not really who I am. Well, you're not going to be a lifelong customer anyway, because as soon as my facade cracks and I slip up and I show you who I really am, if you don't connect with that, you're not, you're not going to be there for the long haul anyway. And I think that's the truth with personal relationships as well. So how do we do that? Um, I think some of it is to stop looking, like stay in your lane, you know, get clear about what it, you know, get clear about what it is that you're really good at and stop looking from side to side, you know, and there's a difference for me, there's a difference between comparison and inspiration. So I might look at somebody killing it in my industry and say, uh, gosh, like what can I learn from her? You know, what process is this person using that I can learn from? That's, that's inspiration and that's cool. If I'm looking at her and I'm saying, oh God, I thought I could be like her, then this all would be so much easier. Then that's comparison. It's pointless. I mean, it absolutely doesn't serve us at all. So that's what I think we can do is just stop looking, put your head down, focus on what it is you want to do, how you want to show up for people and do the work. I guess that's like, in short, that's what I, what I think where we have to start. And I'm, I still battle that every single day because I'm so connected in social on social media to people. It can be a real pull. Yeah. I think the um, flipping it like 80, 20, like sometimes people get in this thing where they're spending 80% of their time, like on email lists, watching videos, doing whatever. Um, and then 20% of the time creating, if you flip it the other way and you're creating and you're staying in your lane, as you say, 80% of the time, mm-hmm. doesn't mean you have to like ignore the rest of the world, but at least minimize minimize it that's a um of course creators are really really busy people and they're very mm-hmm. observational and they're like looking at what's going on in the industry and they, there's just a huge slippery slope where i see people end up just in research mode forever and then all of a sudden they right. forgot where they where they were even going well and i i kind of fell into that i i feel a little bit you know my business it, it, you start to do the whole like well, maybe i should try this or maybe i should try that and then you do and at some point it got back to, I, I create, I'm best in conversation with people. Like that's why this kind of thing is totally my jam. I love it. I love talking to people about these kinds of ideas. And I mean, you're going to maybe laugh out loud at this, but for the past year, one of my kind of ways to create free content was a Facebook live. I've gone on Facebook live at 9am central time, every single Monday since last June. Okay. Awesome. Haven't missed a Monday. Wherever we were, like wherever we were on vacation, wherever we were doing, I, I went on live. But I was alone. I was alone. And it finally, you know, it's like a month ago, I was on my mastermind call. So I was telling you about my group. And I said, you guys, I'm just not loving this anymore. And it's hilarious, right? I mean, I should, I should be able to pick up on this for myself. But I'm actually now kind of pivoting that. Still gonna, it's, I'm going to be airing an episode. So I'm, I'm creating an online talk show for women in small towns. Okay. So, it'll be, you know, they'll be pre-recorded, but there'll be me sitting with somebody, you know, similar to this. Sometimes they may not be right physically with me, but we'll be jamming on something. So there's dialogue and there's conversation. And this has been my skill from birth. So it's funny, even all of us fall prey to this where we go, well, this Facebook live seemed to be hot. So I should do that. <laughs> yeah. And I did it and I committed and I did it for an entire year and it was fine. But it's getting back to like, what am I actually good at? What is my talent? What are my gifts? And how can I best use those 
in a real, true, authentic way, because then, then the no will happen in that no, like, and trust. We want to like circumvent being known and just skip right to trust because trust means buy. Well, that is not actually how this works at all. Right. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Another way I think to get back to the authenticity space is to get out from behind the computer and do a little bit of speaking, which I know you do. So some of the people who are watching this, you know, they're kind of new to the, to, you know, stepping into the role as the expert or, maybe they're really good at something and they're, they don't really have a teaching background and they're trying to figure out how to teach effectively and getting on stage or getting in front of a room with living, breathing human beings. And you kind of open up a feedback loop. That's totally different than, you know, mm -hmm. talking to your video camera on all day or making PowerPoint presentations. What, how did you get into speaking? And like, if someone's just wanting to get started, what advice do you have for just doing either free or paid speaking gigs. Right. So I um, got started as a speaker actually with the Dale Carnegie company. So Dale Carnegie, who wrote the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, it's a global training company okay. and they're franchised, you know, throughout the world. And we had a franchise here in North Dakota. Um, at the time I was in banking, which feels like an entire lifetime ago, because I was not meant to bank. This is not my thing. Um, but I was doing it, you know, right up because I was following the plan. I, you know, we kind of talked, I had a plan and the plan was just like to kill it somewhere. And so I got on the first ladder, like I climbed the first rung and I just kept climbing. And at some point I'm like, this is pointless and I can't do this for my whole life. So I started exploring. I had gone to some of their, they had some you know, 90 minute workshops here and there in, in, I was living in Fargo at the time. And, um, I had that, that moment sitting there as an audience member thinking, this is, this is the kind of work I'm meant to do. And I had done bits and pieces of it in my, in my job, but I just thought it's kind of cool to think that there's a company that, you know, teaches from the front of the room like this. So, you know, long story short, I reached out to them and started working with them. And I mean, with that, there again, I will say, um, there's a lot of power in just reaching out, just making the phone call. If you see somebody doing something that you either want to learn more about or you want to work with them, we have to take the bull by the horn, so to speak, and just make the phone call. I made that phone call, sat down with her. There's no reason for her to have said, yeah, let's work together. But she did. So I started working with Dale Carnegie. I learned, um, I learned a lot working with them, but I think primarily I learned the art of facilitation. So were you, present, were you presenting their kind of training? It was like right, a size training right. model. So there was like a system in place that you would then take to your area. There was. Yep. Yep. There was. So both content and delivery style. I mean, you know, managing a group, managing a group can be super scary if you haven't ever done it before. Okay, so I did that for a number of years. The pivot that I needed to make for me and myself was what you just touched on. I didn't want to be hampered in by the content that I was training, nor the way that I trained it. I wanted to bring my full self to the table. I want to talk about parenting because I'm sorry, but I think if you are a parent, it influences everything in your life. And it's super relevant when you've got people sitting in the audience that are parents to just know it's okay to talk about it. Like 
you homeschool your kids along with building this business. There's no way that one doesn't impact, impact or influence the other, right? So I just wanted to be me. I, I didn't want to represent a brand because there's a lot of weight that comes with that. So for me, it felt freeing to just say, well, now I'm on stage and it's just me. So that was how I learned it. But I learned a lot about myself. I learned what I didn't want to do. And being kind of hampered in by a company's rules felt a little confining to me. So that makes sense. And it serves its purpose, though. Like if you're totally. like you got that was like your training ground with the Dale Carnegie system. And, and that's great. And I'm sure you helped some people with, uh, you know, become more effective and become better leaders and all that. Right. But, that, but then that's just it just seems like a really great transition just training time before going all in on yourself. Right. And I'm not sure that I would have, I wouldn't have made the leap. I mean, right to what I'm doing. There's no way I, I don't think that could have happened. So I'm really grateful, you know, for that experience and for the people that I got to work with. Um, but for somebody that's just starting out and is thinking like, I would really love to, to kind of dip my toe in the water of speaking, um, start doing it for free. I think that's I think that's actually really important, um, and it's different from my it's different from how I did it. So I'm going to explain why. Um, I had all of this foundation of how to be a good speaker. I also, when I made the transition from training to speaking, which is a distinction. Okay, what's the distinction? I, the distinction is really that training is about imparting knowledge. <clears throat> it is, and so a lot of your your people, your listeners, might be more in that training aspect, right? Where public speaking tends to be more story driven and tends to be more motivational. You're trying to invoke feeling, not necessarily impart knowledge. There's a difference. So sometimes there's a blend, you know, yeah. I think the best educators, the best trainers have a piece of this too. Yeah. Know, know how to drive their point home through story. Story is super important. That's, I would hundred percent recommend it. And I'll, I'll get there in just a second. I hired a speaker, a speaking coach, to help me. I worked with her for an entire year before I stepped foot on stage as a speaker. That's I worked cool. on that with her. I delivered it. She coached me on it. And then she looked at me and said, it's worth this amount of money in the marketplace. And I confidently went forward with that. Right. So, so you did, uh, you had two like training grounds. You had I did. a franchise that you trained with, and then mm -hmm. you had a, basically a private coach. Right. And that sounds like getting very prepared, which is awesome. I was, I was serious about it. You yeah. know, I was very serious about it. And so that's the difference is that I'm not necessarily going to say that all of your listeners need to do that. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think you need to do that. I already, I mean, really the, the speaking for free and, and trying it on is really their training ground that Dale Carnegie was for me. I didn't know anything when I started with them and you have to just do it. You have to do it with the mentality that you're not going to be that good at it right away and that that's okay. You know? So I think for, for the, just the average person that's got something they want to teach people, if they can find three points they want to share, let's say, and come up with a story to support each one of those and just tell their story, tell their story while they're teaching the points, it'll feel more conversational and it's not, it doesn't have to be that scary. And if they start smaller, they'll feel less. Also the uh, getting paid for it adds a whole layer of weight and expectation that can hamper your creativity and your ability to learn. 
because you'll stay too self-focused instead of thinking about, you know, I'm just here to serve people. Keeping that mentality is really important when you're first starting out. I think a lot of experts have, if I'm going back earlier in your story where you were sitting in the audience and I think this happens to experts where they'll watch somebody, even if it's like Tony Robbins on TV or something, and they're like, you know what? I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was it? What was it with you in the audience? Like what what clicked when you were be like, you know what, I should be up on stage and maybe not doing this banking thing. And like, I don't know. Can you speak to that moment in time? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Cause I, I actually talk to people about this. Um I I, I was in this journey of trying to figure out what am I supposed to really do with my life? Cause it sure as heck can't be banking, right? Like I just knew this, this can't, I can't do this for 40 more years. I don't have it in me. So I started to, you know, I, I did some journaling. I'm not as reflective as I probably even could be. Um, but journaling at this time in my life was really important. So I was in my early twenties and I was asking myself the question, you know, what jobs have you loved the most? of all the jobs that you've had and, and what things have you done extracurricular in extracurricular activities or out recreationally? What are the things that you've done that brought you the most joy and made you feel the most alive? Everything, every answer ever came back to being in front of a group of people in some way, shape or form. Are you an extrovert? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like, like as high as the Myers-Briggs will go okay. <laughs> on the E. That's I funny. I'm, I'm, um, I, I do a lot of teaching and whatnot, but I'm, a, I'm the Myers-Briggs. I'm an introvert as high as it can go on that side. <laughs> but so no, I, look, we're, we're still getting along. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah, so that's, I think it's looking for cues. I, again, this, this all comes back to getting back to who you really are as an individual. Right. And I think, again, this is any of your course creators might be thinking that you're that they might think to themselves, if I really want to take, if I want to up level my business, which <laughs> then, then I need to speak. Right. No, you don't. No, you don't. If you want to speak, then then start, start small, start with a local association, maybe have a few people in the audience that you know and that love you and that will tell you the truth. And you can say, watch for these things. These are the, you know, put some people in the audience to help you out with this. Because if you aren't experienced at it, it doesn't matter who you are. When you first do it, you are so in your head that you can't even think about what you should do differently next time. Like you can't, you, you're just so in it trying to stay on topic and trying to do it right. I mean, and I still struggle with that sometimes. And I've been speaking for a while. Yeah. So help yourself out and just start. But I think the big thing with speaking is if you're not, if that doesn't sound exciting or interesting to you at all, then that just means it's not your path to profit and that's okay. Right. Just, yeah. And I just had an insight just in listening to you is for me as a more extreme introvert, I'm not really drawn to the stage, but what I have done and developed is, um, one-on-one, -on -one, um, mentoring so I actually have like four people that I mentor I don't need, I, and I don't they're doing different things different projects some of them uh, digital software entrepreneurs some of them more teaching based and different things but in getting out from behind my computer mm -hmm. they're going on long walks with these people some of them are virtual meetings it's a similar thing where I'm you know I'm getting out of the building 
I'm telling a lot of stories, not just mm-hmm. like, here's the download of all the information you need. It's yep. like, this is my experience, this is what happened, or I know this person over here, this is what happened to Frank or Joe or Susan or whoever, based on what you're telling me is going on in your life. So it, it, it becomes, it's a similar thing, just not on a stage. Um, another thing that's really interesting about your story is for you, it sounds like the support network is really important. Um, and, uh, whether that's your, your, uh, what did you call it? A returner? You came back to your community. Is that what right. you I did. Yep. So you call it boomerang. I'm a boomerang. <laughs> so, uh, so you have the support of the community that you grew up with probably friends and family around. Um, you've gone, you've gone through these different, um, stages of your growth where you got support. But I know masterminding is also important to you. How does masterminding, how has that helped you? So can I plug the name of the company that I mastermind with? Uh, Awesome. Okay. So her name is Sarah Christensen at Kick-Ass Masterminds, just like it sounds. And uh, Sarah and I actually met through, so this would be an example of a not great mastermind, the one that we were in together as peers, where it was um, an add-on to a line of business, like through a membership, we were both in the membership and they said, Hey, you know, we're going to add on this mastermind thing. Well, a lot of times added on masterminds aren't facilitated well. And so, but we made this amazing connection. So we connected just as humans and Sarah was making this pivot to create this business. And I've been a part of a a dedicated mastermind. We meet once a month and uh, kick-ass mastermind, Sarah curated our group and it, we, we talk about it all the time. There's uh, six of us total. We talk about it all the time that it feels like Sarah used magic. How often do you meet? Once a, we meet months a month officially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we sidebar a lot. <laughs> How do you is, sidebar like by email or Slack or Instagram? So we use, we use Voxer. So we oh, use yeah. the Wakitaki app Voxer. And then um, we do have a closed Facebook group as well. And We're then just, I have a group with just six people in it. Yeah, that's awesome. It seems like a lot of people are trying to grow these massive Facebook groups, but here you are with this like, right, right. And it's just, it is the safe place. It is the safe place for me to talk about all things related to my business, because I do want to make one quick distinction for anybody that might be feeling like this. I am back in the community where I grew up. So I have the support of a lot of family and friends, but I don't have the understanding of a lot of family and friends. Like most of my, most of the people that I actually share time and space with right here physically do not get my world at all. And I, I really that. mean it at all. <laughs> I get that. I have people who like, what is Chris doing talking to his computer all day? Or what is he, he's right. in this office running this business, but I don't really understand what he does. Right. And my, my parents, you know, so I, I told you before, my dad is a fourth generation farmer and now we're fifth. If you are not like physically hurt, getting dirty, sweating, you know, like working really hard, then you're not working to my family. So that's, an, you know, I, I battle that. And that's a mentality that I have to constantly say, but they're not me and they don't understand. And it's okay. Like they can feel how they want to feel, but I don't need to own it. Right. So, so yes, I, I am definitely supported, but the mastermind does for me what my immediate people just can't. And it's that they understand what running a business is really like. And I can't express 
that how amazing it is. I just needed them yesterday. And when I say needed them, it's like, you feel very desperate and like, why am I still? And it, for me, it was a recur, it's a recurring thing that I tend to struggle with, which is perfectionism. Just in case anybody out there can struggle or understands that. And I kept saying, why am I still battling this? And I went into Voxer and it was just like a, like a verbal vomit all over them. And right away they're, they're piping in and telling me what they think and offering ideas. One of them got on a zoom call with me and spent some time with me. You know, she's a coach in, in, in some of these areas that I was kind of dealing with. So I can't express what that's like. You know, it's like on demand. Like I have a problem. They have answers. And we show up for each other like that. And they're thinking about my business when I'm not. That like, is cool. Yeah. I, I mean, masterminding is something I've been doing for about eight years. And it's just essential to you know, growth and accelerating progress and increasing odds of success and all kinds of things. I'm a tech guy. So more enjoyable too. Yeah. Like, cause when you hang out with people that quote, get you, yeah, that's, that's just relaxing if you will. (laughs) Um, It is. Right. I'm a tech guy. So I have to ask what I I know Voxer is a walkie talkie app, but are you talking to these people in real time or are you, is for some people, is it like a, a voice message and it's kind of asynchronous or is it like a little bit of both? How does it work? Well, it kind of depends on what's going on with each person, you know? Yeah. Cause somebody I, may be in a meeting and can't talk. Right. Right. So throughout the day, like, okay. So example, like over the weekend I had an event, I was, I was offline all day cause I was live with people. Yeah. Well, when I got in my car, you know, I'd missed a bunch of boxers. So sometimes you listen to them. If you feel like you have something to add, you add it. If you don't, you just like say, hey, it was gone, you know, it was out today, but it sounds like you guys are doing okay and blah, blah, you know. So sometimes it's real time and sometimes it's not. And it's it's okay. Because it's it's not like any of us are, none of us are brain surgeons, legitimately. So if, you know, there's nothing that's like an emergency. But if there were, we would figure out how to support each other. But it's it's pretty real time, I would say. That's cool. Could you speak to the structure of the actual monthly call? Yeah. So this is another thing that I think kick-ass does so well because the other one that we were in, it was like, if you don't have somebody dedicated to facilitating your mastermind, even if you say, we're going to rotate that job, like every month, like Chris, this month, it's your job. And next month it's, it's Rebecca's job. It's not, it's not the same as having somebody whose only objective is to be the facilitator. Mm-hmm. And Sarah's just intuitively very good at it. So our flow Um, there's somebody on the hot seat. Um, usually I think it's just two of us or maybe three of us. I can't really remember if it's two or three and you have a set amount of time. Okay. To talk about whatever it is that you're there to talk about. And ahead of the call, we have a document where you're keeping track of not only your own accountabilities, but if you're on the hot seat, you put down the information about what it is you need help with. So sometimes it's problem solving. Sometimes it's just brainstorming. You know, and you can you can identify what it is that you're struggling with and you say, here's what I've done so far. Any links of stuff that you've got in creation, you throw it all in there and everybody looks at it before you get to the call. So you're not spending a lot of time explaining the problem. Everyone knows the problem already and you get right down to the nitty gritty and you start helping each other. So everybody gets the opportunity several times in a year to be on the hot seat and then everybody else you are just updating accountabilities. That is awesome. That is yeah, awesome. it's really good. And then um, the 
The other cool thing that Kickass does specifically is they bring in guest experts based on whatever it is that we say we want. So like if we are trying to, um, so a couple of examples, we've had somebody who's a video who excels in, in video. We've had uh, social media support. So Instagram specifically was kind of what she jammed on. We had somebody that did PR. So guest experts on based on the needs of the group. That's really yep. cool. Yeah. And we get to, we get to say that this is what we would really love. And then she finds great people and, and doesn't bring them in for free. I mean, she, she pays them. It's all part of the payment that we make to kick ass, you know, to facilitate that experience for us. That yeah. It's awesome. great. Well, it's made all the difference in the world this last year. Fantastic. Well, Rebecca, I'm really glad that Katie Ellenberger introduced us. We interviewed Katie on this podcast. If you search for her, we talked about design and building a strong brand. Um, your website is RebeccaUndum.com. Could you spell that and also uh, tell the listener a little bit about more about your survival guide kit, your right, small yeah. town survival kit? Yep. So it's uh, R-E-B-E-C-C-A. U-N-D-E-M.com. So that's my, my website. And yeah, so the survival guide is, again, the idea is just, it's not, we're not going to dive deep into anything. It really is just those times where you're feeling lonely, isolated, misunderstood, frustrated, maybe that your ideas aren't um, either being heard or being validated. Um, Cause that's, it, it can be, it can be really tricky. There's people think of small towns and it feels clicky and it feels like gossipy. And so my goal is just to provide these women with some quick wins, quick hits of inspiration so they can get them on the fly when they need them. Um, the other things you'll find on my website, uh, you know, so I'm a speaker, so I speak at, at conferences, um, but kind of the newest thing that I did. So this is what I was doing on Sunday. I actually created or curated a small town women's event and all of the marketing is done for them. So if you are a woman in a small town and you're like, Oh my gosh, like we want to have her come in. We want to talk with her about this stuff. The whole plan is done for you. And I help you make it happen in your small town because that was something I, you know, again, sitting in an audience and you think, Oh my gosh, I love what she's talking about. How, you know, you do the, how would I get her to come to my town? And then you just say, okay, never mind. I have no idea how to start. I have no idea what to do. And like, ironically, I'm our small town's chamber of commerce president. <laughs> so I really get what, like the challenge of finding sponsorships or filling seats, you know, how do you, how do you facilitate it? How do you pull it off? And so that's one of the things that I, that I've created for my business just to make it really accessible and easy. If, uh, and so I'm like, you can be the talk of your town in a good way. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can you just tell us briefly about your book too? Mommy Got Her Groove Back. Yeah. It's called How Mommy Got Her Groove Back. And yeah. um, so I t basically it is the story of how I learned to embrace the not plan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I had this plan. I had this idea of what my life was going to be supposed to be really. And um, it was, we've been back in my small town now for 10 years. It was 10 years ago 
my mom called me. She was going to be starting this business. I'm not kidding. It was a pumpkin patch, which you should probably love because you do organic farming and you're all into that, right? So she wanted to create this experience for people in our community in her on the farm where I grew up. So she called me and said that. And, and from there, it, it morphed into this discussion of, well, what if you guys moved back? Like, what if you move back here? Which still sounds weird even to say out loud. And then we did. And then at the same time, my husband had actually already moved back permanently to kind of start the process. I was, I stayed back to sell our house. And two days before I was going to be unemployed, no employer paid health insurance, living with my parents, that whole thing. I found out I was pregnant. Oh, nice. With our first child. <laughs> yeah. And I literally, I mean, I was like, I deserve a reality TV show. This is insane, you know, just like, how does a girl that always did the right thing? Like I was a good girl that followed the rules and I listened and I, you know, I went to college and I got a job and I've always been responsible. And it felt just like I, I had a full tilt identity crisis at 28. So, so I tell that story and then I talk about how being back here, how I really question, how am I ever going to feel like myself again? You know, this just doesn't, I, I can't see this actually working out long-term, but my husband loves what he's doing. And that's a tug. Again, we, nobody talks about that. You know, professional or personal development gurus are just like, you know, follow your bliss and do, do what's good for you. And if it doesn't serve you anymore, leave it. Okay. Well, my husband, I love my husband and my husband loves to farm and farming is connected to land. So here we are. So the book is really about, you know, I, I called it getting your groove back because um, I think that's a feeling and a vibe that women can connect to. Like maybe they feel like they've lost something and it's not like kids steal it from us, but they just change the game. Right. And they level the playing field because kids don't care what your aspirations were and kids don't care how smart you are and all of that. Um, the premise of the book is to try to help women that are in small towns learn and see how to bloom where they're planted. Meaning you can pick up, yeah, sure, you can pick up and move, but you maybe don't have to do that to feel fulfilled and purposeful. Excellent. So that's what the book's about. Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. And thank you. We wish you all the best as you, you your career and everything continues to evolve. And uh, I think you have really dropped a lot of uh, ideas and um you know, just, just in sharing your story, that's going to help a lot of people. So thanks so much for coming today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great talking to you. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS cast. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I hope you enjoyed the show. This show was brought to you by Lifter LMS, the number one tool for creating, selling and protecting, engaging online courses to help you get more revenue, freedom, and impact in your life, head on over to lifterlms.com and get the best gear for your course creator journey. Let's build the most engaging results getting courses on the internet.